Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. On this July the 24th, 2016, and by the way, it's the only day that's July 24, 2016 ever. And there will never be one again. So make today count. Make today count. Make today count in what you know, what you think, what you can learn, and how you manage your attitude. <clears throat> you all have, and by the way, we welcome you on board today, uh, all, of the, all of those of you who have plugged in, and glad to have you. And... We're in the book of uh, Acts. We're not going there immediately, but just a few thoughts first. It's just amazing to me how awesome the minds are of the people who attend these classes, either directly or through the uh, Internet. Uh, it's, uh, it's just awesome, the intellectual uh, uh, mindset, intellectual capacity that you folks have and the ability to set your mind upon what is true. So we appeal to the thinking people. And if we think and we allow other people to think and encourage people to think, we may eventually think alike. But folks, that does not happen immediately. There's lots of adjustments that have to be made as the Jews were finding uh, here as we approach the life of Stephen and his death today, if we get to that far, to get to that point. But we, our appeal is to people who think, and people who think who want to be doing and living the right way and doing the right thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, the scriptures support this position and encourage us. Now I exhort you, brethren. Now who are the brethren? The church at? At Corinth. So remember, he's speaking to the church at Corinth. And uh, he says, so I, I exhort you, um, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus, or through the name, uh, your Bible has the word by the name probably. That by should not be there either. It should be dia. Folks, this is not arguable. It's just a fact. It's the grammar of the text. Um, it's just too bad that we have, well, that's just how you look at it. No, it's not how I look at it. It's, it's what's there. And we ought not to, um, you know, well, we, there's, there's just no argument on that. So it's through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you all agree. So the, the goal here that Paul is expressing to the folks at Corinth calls them all brethren. Now, we need to agree. We need to come to an agreement. 
and that there be no divisions. And the, the word division here is an interesting word, is that it comes from a fishing background, and uh, it means don't have any holes in your net. And if you've ever been fishing with a net, you know how important that is. It, it doesn't make any difference where in your net that hole is. If you have a hole in your net, the fish will find it. So the word division here has that idea is fill up all the holes. Don't allow any holes in your net. Get your net complete. So there be no holes among you that you all agree. So the objective of Paul to the church at Corinth was get in agreement. You're not there, but that should be your aim. That is where you ought to go and Seal up the holes. Don't let there be any divisions among you. Now, another thing here that we learn is that he's trans they've translated this right in the New American Standard, the last two words there, among you. Um, that last phrase that we had there. Um, there, there we go. That, that you be, um, well, that's, oh, yeah, there we go, right there. Among you, and it's in human, and they've got it translated right because the plural you, the pronoun, is plural. Therefore, the preposition in is translated among. So you couldn't use the word in you, in the group, uh, you could say, but among you, is the right way to translate that. Now remember that, because all the way to the book of Acts now, we're going to appeal to you to get your thinking cap on and realize that whenever either in, in uh, Acts or in any of the apostles or epistles, when it says in you, it nearly always means among you, because the you is always plural. And if it's plural, the in can't be translated with a singular objective. That would be an in for n and among you all so th that makes sense you can't change it it doesn't make any sense so when it says christ is in you that's not what it says at all in colossians that christ is among you we have to be as neil said last last sunday in his message that uh, we find god in the church that's the only place you will find him and he's not where there is division and so Christ is among us, God is among us, walks among us, not in us. I don't want anybody walking in me, but if they're walking among me, then I can join alongside of them. When we get that clear, which is probably the most important thing that we'll be saying today, then everything else will come into focus. Hi, Kaipo. You're getting a habit of being late. What's the excuse? Um, I don't have no excuse. No excuse. He's got to stop outside and sign autographs before he comes in is why. Yeah, oh, that, that's it, eh? All right. Well, I want you to know that there's uh, 20 lashes. Oh, my God. I better put some extra padding to my back. Oh, you'll need more than that. And by the way, you know, you're on the docket this morning. You're preaching today. Today's the day. We talked about it last week. So you've had lots of warning. 
We can talk to you about that later, but I wondered to, while I was thinking about it, good to see you anyway. Thank you. I got you properly beat up. Now we can get down to business. <laughs> so, folks, we're always appealing to how people think, not what to think, but how to think. And what we're trying to do is wade through all of the biases that have been added to the Scripture via the men of the Dark Ages. All of the denominations today, whether it's Nazarene or Lutheran, are all products of the Dark Ages. And none of them go back more than five or 600 years. They're all new on the scene. Only the Lord's Church goes back to Jerusalem. Excuse me. All the uh, Protestant Methodistas and all those are related to the Catholic. They were all rebellions against some element of Catholicism, such as Martin Luther. You know, Martin Luther rebelled against the um, prepayment for sin. Yes. And nailed the 95 Theses on the church door of Wittenberg, Germany. He did not intend to start a new group, but that's what happened. And it's interesting, um, Kaipel, that you brought that up, because that's a good point, uh, is that uh, the um, Martin Luther believed in immersion the same way the New Testament teaches it, but his people don't. John Wesley of the Methodist Church believed in immersion for the salvation, forgiveness of sin, just as the Bible teaches, but the modern church doesn't. They all changed all of that, and a lot of that's changed with um, novation, uh, the the emperor. Uh, but that's a whole near, that, that's a whole other story of church history. But when people realize church history, you realize that there's something unique about the Lord's church, because it goes all the way back to apostles, and and our process is always in getting through all of the jargon of the people who influenced the church during the Dark Ages, which is from 533 to 1793. That's, that's the age of the Dark Ages. And all of our current modern religions all sprang up during that period of time, except for some of the cults that started in 1830. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, Adventism, um, and Christian science all began in the 1830s. Uh, wasn't uh, Wesley preached about sanctification? Yes, and uh, but uh, by supernatural sanctification, not as we've read it mm-hmm. in oh. John 8, where truth sanctifies, he believes that it was accomplished by a second work of grace, okay. miraculously. And Wesley was uh, justification. And what? Uh, Wesley. Wesley, John Wesley was... He preached that justification. Justification, but all of their their thinking of justification and sanctification all were, were supernatural. Not as a response to, as Jesus said, my word will sanctify you. 
they believe that it was done by um, a unilateral act of God. My grandmother, of course, they were they were Methodists. The Cyrus Shepherd who came, I was just telling Abner with Lewis and Clark, you know, the ex yeah. uh, to uh, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, the missionary that traveled with him was Cyrus Shepherd, and he was my great great grandfather. Mm-hmm. So the history of them, and he came as a Methodist missionary. So we have a solid background in Methodism. Yeah. That doesn't make it right, because they they had good hearts, they had good intentions. Their theology was simply an outgrowth of certain aspects of Catholicism that they were rebelling against, and that's not the right way to establish the truth. But anyway, that's all free. Let's go back here to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Boy, it's warm on in here all of a sudden. Is it because we don't have? And by the way, folks, we have no water today, and I don't know why. If I hadn't have brought water, we would not have had coffee. Well, we just, uh, I just, we just texted Greg, and he said we had paid our bill. <laughs> but that would be the first thing. Okay, anyway, so in 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I exhort you, I plead with you, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 1.10, uh, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, that you all agree, is the truth something that everybody is capable of agreeing with? I believe so. Capable. We are all capable of agreeing with the truth. We are capable of that. We have many things, baggage, we call it. We, we have a much baggage that keeps us from seeing everything the way it really is. That you all agree, everybody should be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete, be made whole, in the same mind, now notice two things, in the same mind or in the same thinking, because the word mind there has the idea of thinking, all be in the same thinking, think the same way, and have out of that same thinking, have the same judgment. Because you're all making your judgments based on the same information. So we should think alike. Now that's the beauty of the church when that is realized, where the people may not all be in agreement initially, but we accept the exhortation of Paul to move toward agreement based upon confirmable truth. We call it falsifiable truth. Anything that cannot... You know, a lot of things in the Book of Mormon you can't falsify. Why? Because they're just out of somebody's head. You can't prove them right or wrong. That's why I don't want to hear somebody's testimony about something that happened to them, some experience. You can't, you can't, you 
There's nothing you can do with it. You can't prove or disprove it. So what of, of what value is it? No. It oh is absolutely rampant and, and I and I really believe is at the heart of, of a lot of society's problems right now. Yeah. It, oh it is. Because you can't falsify it. It's, it's so if everything's true then what isn't? Yeah. And if your experience makes something true Prophecies didn't never come true, and then he took out of the Bible and added to their own. Well, that and a lot of times their their intentions are good, but sometimes they don't know don't realize that some of it is doesn't belong to us, yeah, except as history. There's a lot of variations on the false teaching theme, isn't there? Yeah, lots of variations. And we were just talking about it earlier that each of the denominations came out in rebellion against some teaching of Rome that was wrong, and they were wanting to correct it, which is honorable. But in starting a new, see, starting a new division isn't right either, based on what was wrong somewhere else. You, and it isn't just getting one thing corrected, it's getting back to apostolic authority so that you have everything right. So it isn't, our mission is not to be in the, going through and correcting everything that everybody believes or doesn't. It's simply of promoting the teaching of the apostles. And as we teach what the apostles taught, we will come into agreement if we're thinking people. Yeah, and, and David, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will. will. I will. But falsified or not falsified, no matter what, the 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 sum of the action is what determines whether it's any good or not. I mean, at some point, the words stop mattering and the actions and they take over, and yep. they take over. So if that if that is left without any actions or without any words then it's going to be exposed. Now, it might be exposed when no one's noticing or, you know, whatever. But doesn't it always come down to that? I think it does. You can say whatever you want, but it's what I tell the kids in the morning when we have class. The sun comes up in the morning, and then it goes down in the evening, and this happens over and over again. You, you can count on it. You can count on it, yeah. And that's God's work. What we mean by falsification, which you are building on there, is that the church has no water today. We don't know why. Now, I made that statement. That's a statement of conclusion. Is it falsifiable? How is it falsifiable? Go turn the faucet on. Yeah, go turn the faucet on. If there's nothing comes out of the, out of the faucet... No water comes out of the faucet when you turn it on, then we're out of water. So we have falsified my that my my statement was open to falsification. You can test it. Anything that cannot be tested shouldn't be said. And that's one of the things we try to do here is document everywhere we go. Give you documentation so that you can verify and open for falsification 
And that's why I don't give you my personal experiences in life because you can't falsify them. A witness? I mean, it combines both together because uh, the water, if you open the valve and you say, uh, well, you just got through explaining. You having a witness there, I said, yeah, uh, no, me and Nolan, I mean, Brother Nolan was there and Alex, we open it and it's three witnesses to verify that there is no water there. Okay, and that's it. You got, Now you got witnesses. Yep, good, good, great. Now, with that, ha- with that introduction, now remember when... When I start a class, usually the first sentence is what sets the stage for the day. That's why when you're late, you miss the the foundation of the class. It's very true. <laughs> very true. You're great, Kaipo. Okay. So you all have awesome minds. We've not, any of us have not tapped the the capability of the human mind. But the human mind is made capable of taking what God has said, verifying it, assimilating it, and coming to conclusions about it that are true. Last week we talked about definitions, and definitions because they make a word mean something. We talked about grace and faith, and I want to just review those two definitions real quick. And then and keep moving on. Don't want to uh, rehash them again. But but grace. Uh, is what God. Grace is what God has done. For all mankind equally. And I gave you an example of a bird. Everybody has access to God's creation and to the beauty of that creation or to the tragedy of that creation. It happens to anybody can go to Mount Helen, uh, St. Helens, and we, we lived on the Columbia River Gorge and saw that. We could see uh, Mount Adams you can't, or um, um, St. Helens. Can't see it anymore because it blew the top off. That big, huge, mush. it was awesome, folks. That cloud was just awesome. Just filled the sky, and soot came down from for many, many, many miles, and some of it went all the way around the globe and came back. Powerful, powerful things go, but that's open to everybody. Don't don't, don't try to date that rock though. Get into some trouble there. Oh, oh yeah, we've got some candles that are made out of the sand, or candlesticks that are made out of some of the sand. You know, remolded down beautiful things. So grace is what God has done. Now I want to illustrate it one more step before we move on, and that's like uh, like being a house. We have a house. That house represents grace. In that house, there are provisions. There is a refrigerator, and I'm already getting hungry. So you've got a refrigerator in that house. 
there water in there? That's pretty and there, oh, and there's water in that house. <laughs> Good thinking. You're quick on your feet. So we, we have a house. It represents grace. We have provisions in that house. We have a furnace. We have a refrigerator. We have a bathroom with its facilities. We have a living room with chairs. And when you realize that the house has all of those provisions, all of those provisions are where? In the house. Where do you have to go to be available or to take, uh, to take advantage of those provisions? In the house. You've got to be in the house. Grace has all of the provisions of God as the house does. All of the provisions of God are in grace. Where do you have to be in order to be a partaker of those provisions? Inside the grace. Inside of the house or inside of grace. Isn't that clear? Now, if, if, the, if the house is on a block and you've got somebody going down the street and they're dirt poor and have nothing to eat, does the refrigerator hop out of the house and go out on the sidewalk, snag that guy, walk it alongside the face with a hot dog and force him to eat it? And yet every church on this block in Coolidge believes exactly that regarding grace. That grace will come down and slap you in the face and force you to become a partaker of it and you are saved by God's act. See, it doesn't make sense when you bring it back into real life, does it? Well, I guess we can just go go home then. You can just go home. You might just as well. And I don't know why people, you know... These people have, these churches have programs, and I think a lot of the folks are wonderful folks, and they have great intent. But folks hogwash in their theology, and if they would think, that's why I started today with the idea of thinking. And that's what we're going to see an example of in Stephen. I will usually call him Stephen. Is that he's bringing people to think, he's giving rationale. For people to grasp onto that they can think about and come to a decision upon. And yet somehow people hear all this stuff about grace, as we did, because what I just said about grace is what the Methodists believe. That's what we were taught. Realize that grace is what God has done. And we have to be where grace is in order to be a partaker of its benefits. Now, there are other words like, that are adjectives, like graciousness. That's an adjective. And, and so though we're talking about the umbrella definition. The umbrella definition of grace is it is what God has done for all of mankind equally. That's why the law doesn't fit into grace. Because it was made only for whom? Only for the Jews, and they had no choice. You had no choice if you were a Jew or not a Jew. It was by how you were born. And then, well, that's enough of that. 
faith. The other word we spent on time, we we spent some time with last week, but grace, we just got to go over it and over it because it's just something that people have got so they're so befuddled on it. They've got it as an uh, operative entity rather than a static arena where God's provisions are. Faith, the faith, not subjective faith, not talking about your faith in the faith, but the faith is what embodies all of the new covenant. The faith embodies all of the new covenant, including the entry, and the entry is known as the gospel. The gospel is the good news that you can enter the faith wherein lie the promises of God. The provisions are in grace. The promises are found in the faith. And they are, they are accessible by our obedience to the gospel. That should be clear. Now, one more thing, then we'll get down to our text in Acts. I have a question. Oh, oh okay. Um, grace is all that God has done, and faith is the promises of no, let's, let's go back. Grace is all that God is all that God has done for all mankind equally. That's the key there. Equally. That's why we the law is not included because it was not for all of mankind equally. It was only for those who were in a limited covenant relationship with God, and that was the Jews under Judaism. Faith. What what, you, what were you saying there? What did you say about uh, faith? Faith is all that uh, God has said. Yeah. And the promises. God, yeah, it's the, the faith embodies all that God has said concerning the new covenant. The faith is limited to the new covenant. The faith. That is the embodiment of truth. That includes all of what God has said regarding the new covenant, and that includes the entry, and that entry is known to us as the gospel. Now, one of the other distinguishing factors between the church of the New Testament and the churches made by man is that the Lord's church is set in history. We're dealing with real people that you can read about in Cyclonius history as well as in biblical history. You can read about Abraham in history other than the Bible. Mike has comments. Okay. Mike, did you have a comment? Yeah, I did. All right, go ahead. Um, in this thing, I think we stated this another way too a while back. Is that is that we have to change citizenship to to enjoy 
the 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 product of from this position to the next position. If you're outside that citizenship of that kingdom, you don't enjoy the benefits of that kingdom. You got to move from one one state to another state, right? And that's right. That, that, uh, let's go to Colossians one thirteen on that to support <laughs> your statement there. Colossians chapter one and verse thirteen. <clears throat> that's a that's a rabbit trail for you, Alex. Colossians one thirteen. I gotta. Yeah, uh, uh, Colossians chapter one and verse thirteen. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. What does the word transfer give you an idea of? A movie. Moving from one location to another, emotionally, intellectually, morally, whatever else might be included there. Darkness into light. Yeah, and in this case, from the domain of darkness, which is representing in this book ignorance, from from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right. Uh, that's the valid point, Mike. Thank you. So The Bible is put in history in a historical setting with real people, real places, but all the places of the Bible have been recovered archaeologically except for one or two, and they have their supposed places. But So in, in, in the big picture, all the places of the Bible can be found in your geographic textbooks, geography textbooks. And real events, they're real events of the Bible. They're true events. They're not, they're they're all verifiable. They're all falsifiable. Real people, real places, real events. And that's where the Lord's Church came out of with all of that setting in history. Now you talk, you talk about other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, they're not made and they have no record in history as to their e- progression, as their evolvement and evolution. Nothing in history, but all of what God has said is set in a secular hist- uh, historic setting. And that ought to just turn your minds inside out. Because we're talking about real events, real problems, real purpose, real direction, and no hocus pocus. It's not amazing uh, to these people in other countries how they adore and and uh, kneel down to these uh, Buddhists uh, and uh, their own gods. 
but uh, but they don't realize that Jesus Christ, he died and he and he resurrected and is still alive. And like these Buddhists, the monks they died, but they're they can't do nothing for you. No. Good. They can't do nothing, you know. They can't. They can't, do can't anything for you at all. They can't help you in life, and and uh, and so on. It was great when we found that Muhammad resurrected from the dead, wasn't it? <laughs> Did he? No. No. You can. He's still in the. He's still in the ground. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. To, let's go to our. Ta- I did. We're um, spending too much time here on the introduction today, but let's go to verse eight of our text in in Acts chapter six. Is that where we are? Acts chapter six. Folks, there is so much to say. These, the, this put. This is all put in this historical setting. The origin of the Lord's church and of the church that Jesus said, I will build, right here. We're right here on the foundation steps, watching this thing come into existence. In the first few verses here of this chapter, we have, we have uh, a problem, and the problem was fixed. The problems were not eliminated from the text. They were put in there. They had problems right off the bat. Christian people, by the way, are not problem-free people. They just have a way of dealing with their problems that most people don't have, and they know that they have to deal with it themselves. It isn't going to be done for them. This problem was not going to be done. This problem could have been done, but was not going to be done the way that most people would have expected it to be done. Most people would have expected in today's mentality where people have become victimized through dependency. Most people think in terms God could have done this for them. God could have seen that the Hellenistic Jews were treated just like the rest of the Jews. God could have done that unilaterally. That's not the issue. That isn't how God works. But people are still wanting to God to, for God to work that way today when he doesn't work that way. In order for that problem to get fixed, man had to come together and find a plan, present the plan, be committed to that plan, and then put the plan in action. And until that happens, there's no fix. You got that? Amen. What'd you say? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Would you say it twice? Amen. 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 All right, we got two amens out of Kaipo. That's worth a lot. All right. So Stephen, and some folks, and most folks pronounce it Stephen, and that's all right. Uh, full, full of 
in the King James says faith. It's not faith at all. It's grace, I think. Yeah, full of grace. How could they mix that up? Yeah, and you see, um, oh, I don't want to go there. It's, it's too nasty. So Stephen was is full of grace and power. Now, here's a real dud. Here is a man who was full of grace and power. The very fact that he was full of something that could be fragmented is that it was out of his own making, out of his own choosing. If it wasn't out of his own choosing, it wouldn't have that little prep, that little uh, um, full in there or mature, mature. He, he was full-grown. In grace, and the idea here is that he realized what God's grace was and where the provisions of grace were, and he was a participant in those. And the word power there, the word power is the word capability. He had much capability. Folks, there is no equality with people. Everyone is different. We don't even have the same fingerprints. And if you don't believe me, commit a crime and see what they take when you go into the police office. What do they do? They take your fingerprint. Why? Because there is no other fingerprint like yours. There's no equality. And there's no equality here, even in the beginning of the church, with all seven of these guys having been approved and having the office of the apostles laid their hands on the, the hands of the representing the office upon the hand of the heads of these tw- uh, seven men. Here is one man who stands out, one man who is different than all the rest, and the, all the rest of them were great men. But here's a guy that had all kinds of charisma and capability. Unusual. Now, how many of you want to put yourself into that? We got one man. That's where he'd like to be. I'd like to be there. I'll probably never make it. Oh, uh, you will. I don't know. Not at this age. (laughs) But, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful... Now, not everybody is going to be full of grace. He must have had quite a way with words then if they described him as powerful. He must have been a a very polished, uh, confident speaker. Oh, I think we're going to find that out. Was he he, uh, uh, born in in Jerusalem? Stephen? You know, I don't know where he was born, but he was a Jew because he's here in Jerusalem. And he was one one of the seven who were selected as a Jew to help with the Hellenistic Jews. So he must have been, but I don't know where his home was. 
I hope it wasn't a, a secret or anything wherever he picked all that up. The charisma and uh Well, I think first of all, he was a man who had excelled in life with making himself the best that he could be. And a lot of people do that who are not Christians. Right. Really? Mike, Mike had a comment. Yes, Michael. For some okay. reason, I can't hear you this morning. Yeah, uh, in verse 5 there, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. I looked that up in the Greek, and it appears to be, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? Well, it's not that way in the Greek at all. Yeah, but I just looked at it, and I'm trying to figure that out, why it well, looks like that. Now, we we were over that, Mike, when we were in verse 5. But let me read. It says, here was a man full of faith and spirit. But then you go to the Greek, and, and it and it does say, of of the holy. Well, it... It do, it does it in my Greek text. <laughs> the word holy is there, but there's no V there, only in the English. And that, that that's the that's the evidence, Mike, that he's talking about the faith and the spirit connected by a chi, the and, that they were both his, not somebody else's, and therefore his spirit had to be labeled as holy. Because if it was his, it could have been just as likely to be unholy. That's why we have to use the word holy in in the word spirit, because the spirit can be either any time, any place, can be either holy or unholy. So when we want to differentiate it as belonging to someone like Stephen, we're going to put, use the word holy as the... That's just an adjective, but there is no article there. Okay. Yeah. And if there was, it would have to be in front of, of uh, the word spirit, not the word hagios. Boy, talk about a deception, though, in, in this uh, interlinear we got here, because they they put it of the holy, but, in in the definition but if you look of up, that doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I'm I, I think I'm following you though. I uh, they, it's just a deception the way they do it in in the translation here in, in our Greek program. What was that? Uh, the English translation. Yeah, the English translation is that. That's right. That's the bias, and it shouldn't have been there because it's in the genitive, and uh, that uh, throws your mind into thinking that it's. Uh, but the proof of the matter is that faith and and spirit are connected by a chi, meaning that they're equal to each other. That's what a chi is. And you're talking about joining two things. Uh, and they have things that are in likeness with each other. He's talking about this man was full of these things. Both things were things that were his own development in life. And by the way, while we're talking about, and our, oh, by the way, we're way overdue, and i got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but not only is, or do we need to pay attention to Stephen now, but folks, we got to pay attention to Philip. Can you remember those two names? We're going to be reading about them for a long time here. Philip and Stephen. Philip and Stephen. Both 
of the seven who were appointed by the uh, people, anointed by the twelve, to do a job. But we're going to see that they stand out in a very unique and special way. They're, they were those who were amongst the greatest of men. They stood out as unique human beings. Folks, you're going to have people like that. And if the church would allow people to excel, but you know what the church does? The church wants to push people down. Take away that sense of excellence rather than encourage it. Not everybody can be a Philip. Not everybody can be a Stephen. What I'm saying is, is the deception of the program that of the isn't in that definition. <laughs> so the, oh, you're talking somewhere else, Mike. Okay. Okay, so Stephen is going to be a man who is going to be an outstanding man here. That's why he is picked out here as being, here is a guy who was full, fully mature, had reached the capacity of grace and dy- uh, dynamics, or the word power comes from the word dynamite, dynamos. means capability of making things happen. Not everybody has that capability. But Stephen did, and we're going to be reading about his superior status as a human being, as a man who's going to do God's work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a wonderful time in your word today. May our hearts be lifted up. May we be encouraged by these people who excelled and even in their excellence were put to death. May we realize that excellence does not always preclude that things are going to go well. We live in the real world, and Father, may we be the best we can be with where we are, with who we are, and with what we have. And that is our commitment to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.